listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. about just this whole word of sanctification, you know, and really how there's a lot of overlapping um, with, with that word sanctification and holy. And we kind of talked about, you know, that word sanctification along with the word justification and regeneration, that those really being um, three very, very important words that are crucial in the life of every believer. And so, we talked about how these three words, regeneration, justification, sanctification, really are necessary for the salvation of every person. Now again, that word regeneration, and on your outline, I've kind of included there, again, uh, from a couple Sundays ago when I taught on this, I just kind of put those definitions down, so if you weren't here, it kind of gives you some understanding. If you were here, it's just a great reminder. And again, that word regeneration, a lot of times we use the word born again, saved, um, you know, new creation, uh, rebirth. I mean, whatever word that you use, uh, the word regeneration is just simply you're going from a state of spiritual death into a state of spiritual life. And that really is kind of the premise of that word regeneration. Justification, uh, again, it, it's, uh, it's, it's just as if you've never sinned. It's where God declares guilty sinners righteous on the basis of what Christ has done for us. We kind of talked about those two words, regeneration um, and justification. Those are instantaneous. I mean, those just happen. I mean, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when you pray uh, to, to God to, to forgive you of your sins based on the work of Christ, and, and you get born again, I mean, Regeneration and justification are instant. I mean, it's over before you even know it began. Uh, it, it, it is just that quick. Sanctification, again, that is that process that begins um, with regeneration and justification, but it is a lifelong process of being conformed more and more into the image of, of his son, Jesus Christ. So, Regeneration, justification, it, it's, it uh, happens completely, wholly, instantly. Um, sanctification begins at that same time, but it is a lifelong process, and it continues until the day you die or Jesus comes back again. And that process of sanctification, again, it, it, is, uh, it shares a lot of commonality with holiness. And so oftentimes you'll kind of see maybe uh, in certain translations, they'll, they'll kind of use the word holy uh, or they'll use the word sanctified or sanctification. And so again, all three of these works are necessary in the life of every believer, okay? You cannot be justified um, and not sanctified, okay? If you're justified, you're sanctified. If you're sanctified, you're justified. You find all three of these works in the same person. So I'm not gonna go into a lot more detail on the meaning of those. Again, you can just kind of refer to the handout you've got um, uh, there uh, tonight. Now, one of the things I talked about in this um, word sanctification, again, is just the evidence of sanctification um, in the life of the believer 
is really made manifest through the producing of what the scripture calls fruit. Um, and so one of the things that, you know, we talked about this with regeneration and justification, they're not really visible. It's a work of the heart and only God can see the heart. So I can't look at Jason and say, oh yeah, I can see on Jason that, that he is regenerated, he's justified. Okay, it's a work of the heart that God does and it's only a work that God can see. Now again, the beauty of that is, is that God can testify, he can witness to us that we're born again, that, that we're saved, because uh, the Bible makes it very clear. His spirit, the Holy Spirit, testifies or witnesses to our spirit that we are children of God. So while you can't maybe see that in me, I can have a witness or a testimony from the Holy Spirit that I'm born again. Okay, sanctification is different in that it should and it really must be visible and discernible to other people. Now, while I can't see Jason's regeneration or his justification, I should be able to see manifestations of sanctification in his life. There should be fruit in his life, whether that's good or bad. There should be visible evidence of the work of God going on in his life. And this is kind of what Jesus gets at when he kind of talks about this whole aspect of fruit in John 15. And beginning in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit... He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. Now, again, those three words there, abide in me, that is probably one of, if you are ever stumped as to what to pray for. If you're ever just praying for God to do a work in you, pray this, God, would you teach me, would you lead me, would you guide me in how to abide more deeply in you? I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Marilyn, how long have you been a Christian? Yes, so a long time. Okay, what was that? Yeah, 75 years. So th this is a prayer she can pray at 75 years of age because there's always new depths and new dimensions in the Spirit of God. So Marilyn's prayer at 75, uh, being a Christian for 75 years, can be the same for a person who's been a Christian for 75 days. God, would you just teach me? Would you guide me? Uh, would you lead me in deeper ways of abiding in you. Um, and, and so Jesus is just, it, it's that invitation to go deeper in him. Abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, meaning we, we, can't, we can't produce any fruit in our, in our natural, in our, in our, our natural means, by natural means, by natural human need. If we're not connected to the vine, the branch will produce no fruit. So he says, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you 
you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. So again, part of that prayer of, te- of asking God, God, teach me how to abide more deeply, more fully in you. So uh, The purpose of that being that you're going to be able to go on and produce more fruit. So it says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And, he, and he's speaking there again in a spiritual sense. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now again, notice how how often he uses that phrase, that abiding invitation there. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. A lot of times when, when our prayers go unanswered, it's not because God is saying no, it's just God is waiting for us to abide more deeply in him. So sometimes if you feel like you're, you're, you're stuck in, in a place of prayer, again, that's why that prayer, God, would you just teach me how to abide more fully, more deeply um, in you? That may be what you need for that breakthrough in prayer. It's just, God, I, I just, I need to abide. I just need to abide more deeply and Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's, there's, there is a uh, result that comes with that. He says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He says, my Father is glorified by this. Isn't that amazing? God is glorified when you abide in him to such a degree that whatever you ask of him, he's going to do and God gets glory for that. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be made full. That's just, again, one of those Bible verses you can go back and meditate on over and over, and you'll just glean more and more spiritual insight uh, into. I want to focus on one of the processes that I believe God uses to produce more fruit in our lives. I want to just kind of focus on verse 2 there. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So the question I have as I'm kind of looking at this is, how does God prune us? I mean, what is the method, what is the means by which God prunes us to produce more fruit? I mean, what does it look like? Now, again, most of us understand the whole concept behind pruning. It really is for the purpose of trimming a tree, a stub, a a plant, a bush. And again, it's just by cutting away dead branches or overgrown branches or stems, especially to increase fruitfulness and growth. So if you've ever pruned something, uh, you kind of know sometimes you have to just prune that thing so far back uh, and you just butcher the thing and it looks like you've killed it. And then you let that go for a season, it comes back and it just looks bigger and fuller and healthier than ever. And so... um, how does God do that in our lives? I mean, obviously God doesn't use, you know, pruning shears or saws. I mean, so what, what is the method? What's the mean um, that, that God uses in pruning us, cutting us back, 
in order to produce more fruit. Now, you're not going to like my answer, but I'm going to tell you anyway. One of the main ways God will prune us in order to produce more fruitfulness is through persecution, trials, and tribulation. Ugh. I told you, you're not going to like my answer. We don't like it because it really kind of goes contrary to common sense. It's probably not how you and I would have done it if we were God. It's not the way the world thinks. You know, you do something good, you do something honorable, noble, righteous for God and his kingdom. And one of the ways that God responds to that is through persecution, trials, and tribulations. Are you serious? I mean, how is that an incentive? How is that any kind of encouragement to continue doing God's work? Yet it is one of the ways that God works when he wants to produce more fruit in our lives. Look at the life of Peter, for example. Peter's one of Jesus' closest disciples. Do you remember Peter was the one that declared Jesus? He was the Messiah, the Son of God. And then what? He goes on later. He denies Jesus following Jesus' arrest, following the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, Peter is, is restored. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? And he's just finally exasperated. Yes, why do you keep asking me? Day of Pentecost comes. Remember, Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and he preaches a sermon. And the scripture says 3,000 were added to the church in that one day. Acts 2 beginning in verse 42. It kind of gives us an indication of the kind of fruit Peter is producing in his life. Listen to this. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with one mind. Uh, in the temple, breaking bread together from house to house. They were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, this is some pretty good fruit, right? I mean, God is moving. Things are happening. Chapter 3 of Acts opens. Peter and John, they heal the lame beggar. Peter preaches his second sermon. And as he's speaking, guess what happens? He's arrested and thrown in jail. The first pruning of Peter and John, as they are warned, they're threatened, you need to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus or worse things are going to happen to you. So off of this day of Pentecost and all these great and miraculous moves of God, Peter and John, they kind of face and they, they taste their first taste. They get their first taste of, of being pruned. Look at the results of that in Acts 4. Beginning in verse 32. 
And the, so, so they're, they're let go, they're warned, stop this preaching or, or worse things are going to come. Verse 32, they leave, and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him or common property to them, and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. An abundant grace was upon them all, for there was not a needy person, for they were all owners of land, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, distributed to each as any had need. More fruit. And man, we think in that first wave, why am I cutting in and out? They're tremendous fruit, and, and it, it just builds. Then what happens? The high priests, the Sadducees, they hear, they see everything that's going on, what God is doing, and so they arrest the apostles and put them in jail again. Remember, the angel of the Lord comes, he opens the prison door, frees them, and then the Holy Spirit instructs them, go back into the temple and continue doing the very thing that got you in jail in the first place. So they go. And they kind of just pick up. They're starting to teach and to preach in the name of Jesus, just like they were before they got arrested. The next morning, they send the guards to go to the jail to get the apostles to bring them in so they can stand trial. They're gone. Where are they? All of a sudden, somebody comes back and says, they're back in the temple preaching. So they go there to the temple. They take them. They bring them back in. And this time, they are flogged and warned again. You better not be teaching and preaching again in the name of Jesus, and they're released. Now, you'll notice the pruning kind of gets a little more severe, right? What's their response? Verses 41 and 42. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing. If that was us, we would probably be crying, complaining, demanding justice. Not them. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Folks, that only comes from abiding in Jesus. That, that, is not a, that is not a natural human reaction. That is Holy Spirit driven. That's why we got to abide in him and he in us. Otherwise, our reaction will be complaining and crying and demanding justice. And every day in the temple, <laughs> the place where they're getting in all the trouble, in the temple and house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, which resulted in what? Greater fruit, an increase of fruit. Acts 6, 7, the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And not just that, get this, and a great many of the priests 
Before, it's just among the common people. Now it's getting so great, the fruit is increasing so much that even now the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Do you, do you see the correlation there? As, as the pruning, the persecution, the trials, the tribulations become more severe and intense, so does the increase of the fruit. You see this pattern. I mean, if you go back and study the life of Paul, Jesus, any of the disciples of Jesus, I mean, with the exception of John, they're all martyred for their unrelenting faith in Jesus Christ. You know, John is banished to the island of Patmos. It's basically, you know, kind of Fort Leavenworth, a hard labor uh, for an old man. But they all have like these intense moments of just persecution, trials, tribulations. And then it's almost as if their lives go to just this great abundant increase in fruit. And again, it seems the more severe the persecution, trials, or tribulations, the more abundant the fruit. That's one of the ways that God prunes us. Is, is through the trials and the tribulations. As we abide in him and he in us, as we kind of just come out of those times of trials and testing, of persecution, rejoicing that we were considered worthy to suffer shame on account of his name. See, I don't think the Western church really understands or appreciates or really has any kind of an appetite for this. I think this is why churches in third world countries, China, North Korea, that's why these churches are, are flourishing. That's why they're growing, it's why they're strengthening, is because they understand this concept. I think it's why most Western churches, you're not all, but the vast majority of Western churches, it's why we're so weak and ineffective. Because when God tries to prune us, when God tries to increase the fruit of our lives, and he does that through trials, persecution, suffering, what is our response? God, why are you doing this? What have I done? Are you angry with me? God, have I, have I sinned? We don't, we don't have an understanding. We don't have a grid work for this. James 1, beginning in verse 2, says, Consider it all joy. My brethren, when you encounter various trials, do you consider it all joy when you encounter various trials? I mean, honestly, ask yourself, what is your response to persecution, trials, tribulations? I'll be honest, it, mine is not joy. It's just not. I know it needs to be. I know it should be. It's not often. I'm kind of sitting there wondering, what's going on? Where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to produce more fruit? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, 
And he says, no, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. That's fruit, folks. Endurance is fruit. And let endurance have its perfect result so you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, one of the reasons we can consider it all joy when we are encountering various trials is that we know God is using this. God is doing this. He is using it to prune me in order that I might produce more fruit for his kingdom. And in that, remember what it says, God is glorified. Jesus refers to this in his teaching on the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 10. Blessed, blessed, not cursed, not forsaken, not forgotten. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, not forsaken, not cursed, not forgotten. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be mad. Rejoice and be sad, right? That's not what it says. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. That's part of the fruit to come. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Part of the reason we can rejoice and be glad in persecution is because God's using it to prune us in order that we might go on to producing more fruit in our lives for his glory. Paul talks about this as well um, in Romans 5, beginning in verse 3. And he says, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. I complain in my tribulation. I get grumpy in my tribulation. And I'm just being honest with you. But look at what Paul says. But we also exult in our tribulations. Here's what Paul, Paul's letting us in on a little secret here. He says, knowing, understanding that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do you see the fruit in those tribulations? Do you see what comes forth from our lives through tribulation? Perseverance, proven character, and hope. That is tremendous fruit. And again, I want you to see, where does that come out of? 
Does this make you just want to start praying for persecution, trials and tribulations tonight? I didn't think so. <laughs> Again, producing fruit in the life of a Christian, folks, it is not optional. That's why I said, you can't be regenerated and justified and just simply say, I don't want to be sanctified. I don't want to go on to holiness. I don't want to be producing fruit in my life. I'm good just being born again and justified. No, 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 no. All three of these are necessary for the salvation of every person. This is not something we can simply bypass because we're not comfortable or we don't like persecution, trials, tribulation, or suffering. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And again, one of the ways that we overcome the world is just abiding in him, he and us. So again, that, 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 that prayer of God, teach me, Guide me, lead me, show me, give me revelation, give me understanding, give me insight into how to more fully and more deeply abide in you. Because folks, I'm telling you, as you do that, you just become more and more of a healthy branch that's just gonna produce more fruit. And again, I just want you to be careful. Consider the cost, we're gonna talk about that this Sunday, holiness. You know, the cost of holiness. There's a cost to holiness. There's a cost to sanctification. So again, I just, I just caution you. Do not try to do this without abiding in him. It, it, it won't work. It won't happen. You're not going to go anywhere. Nothing's going to happen in that area if you're not abiding in him. But again, take heart because he has overcome the world. Okay, I think we're done. I think you got my point. I had a few more things to say, but I, I think I've gotten that across. Um, so tonight as we kind of just go into just a time of waiting on God, I, I just would encourage you to make that kind of part of your prayer tonight. Um, you know, where, where are you in that abiding? Um, are you good? You want to go deeper? Tonight's just a great time to just connect with the heart of God on that. Just again, ask God, you know, God, just take me deeper. Help me to, to know how to abide more fully in you. And again, understanding that, that what's going to come with that. I'm not, I'm not saying be, you know, blind to this, but, but just know that as you, as you pray that, that, that you're going to be coming into a time of, of probably trials, Tribulation, you know, persecution. Uh, so again, I, I think sometimes we kind of go into this thinking if we pray that prayer that, you know, everything's just going to be great, grand, and glorious. And it will be for a time. But there will just come that time where God says, okay, I, I'm ready to take you to the next level. I'm ready to kind of uh, produce more spiritual fruit in you. And so God kind of begins to kind of start clipping away and that trial and persecution and tribulations are, are what he uses to kind of cut that back. That, that's when that prayer abide, abiding in him becomes all the more necessary and, and critical.
Because a lot of times we want to just, we just want to cut and run. Um, would just get me out of this. Again, and, and that abiding in him is where we'll be able to rejoice and to exalt in that and where that, you know, endurance and proven character and hope uh, will begin to kind of flourish within us. So I, I just, as you pray that tonight, I just want you to kind of be aware and understand what, what may come with that prayer as well. So Father, we just thank you tonight. And Lord, we only need to really look around at the world today. And Lord, if that's not reason enough to abide in you, I don't know what more we're going to need. So Father, I just pray tonight, Lord, as we just again search our hearts and allow you to search our hearts tonight. God, you know where we're at in that place of abiding in you. And Father, we know, Lord, that uh, there comes not only great fruit, but there also comes that pruning and that abiding. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen our hearts. If that's our resolve tonight to abide more deeply in you and you and us, that, God, you would just strengthen our hearts so that when those times of pruning come, as it came for Jesus, as it came for the Apostle Paul, as it came for all the disciples, as it came from all of the disciples that have followed you over the generations, that, God, we would be able to stand firm, that there would just be a steadfastness in our abiding in you, that, God, there would just come a, an increased hunger and thirst to abide more deeply, not to cut and run, but, God, just to press in. So, God, I just pray, Lord, tonight as we just connect with your heart, that, God, you would just take each one of us who are willing, who are open, to just abiding more deeply, more fully in you tonight, God, that you would just take us and lead us and guide us, show us the way in that abiding. I just invite you just to kind of come and have your way with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.